Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard with you again on new year's day it's episode number 90 of eric roberts is the fucking man the world's merriest eric roberts related podcast i'm doug tilly and joining me as usual is father time himself liam o'donnell how are you doing today liam i'm pretty good doug how are you i'm doing great liam liam this episode that we're recording right now was originally supposed to be the final episode of 2018 uh and in fact i think i was hoping to record it before Christmas itself, but I was feeling a little ill. You can probably still hear it in my voice a little bit. So, Liam, this is actually, we're recording this on the first day of 2019. It's true, and it's still a good way to kick off the year uh, and not just a good way to end the year, but, you know, it's a little disappointing. It would have been nice to sneak one last episode in before 2018 and round it off. You know, yeah. You know what our motto here is, Quantity over quality, you know. Yeah, what I'm saying? <laughs> no, ninety episodes of quantity. Uh, I, I am glad, in retrospect, that we didn't pick holiday-themed movies to cover on these episodes because that that would have made it a little bit more difficult. But no, Liam, this is the first episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man of the year twenty nineteen. We are living in the future, Liam. How do you feel? How, what kind of feelings, kind of general feelings, do you have about the new year, Liam? I think it, it generally. And I don't want to speak for all of our listeners, but I think generally for a lot of people, 2018 was kind of a, a rough year. It was a difficult mm -hmm. time for the world and for a lot of individuals and people we know. Do you feel optimistic about 2019? No, Doug. I've given up all hope. Oh, uh, I life see. has no meaning. Mm. And even those few things that give me joy are now empty and devoid of uh, any sort of emotional power. Uh, this is I, the Liam I know and love. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, it's I, I want to be um, upbeat about 2019, but I don't actually understand when 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 people. So this is a thing you see on the internet a lot, sure, mm -hmm. where people are like, 2018 sucked. 2019 is gonna kill it. Yeah, right, I'm gonna right. I'm gonna have this amazing experience in 2019. Sure. And I, when I have a bad year. My response is not to go, surely the next 365 days will somehow be entirely different. That's just not how I view the world. Uh, so my experience of 2018 leaves me in a place where I'm not particularly excited for 2019. But that doesn't mean things won't change. I'm not. I'm also I, – I guess the thing for me is I'm okay being down about something like the new year because no part of me assumes like because things are bad now – they will never not be bad. Like right. it's inevitable that things will get better, especially if I am working on and doing what I need to do. They could get worse if I like, I don't know, got a horrible disease or something. Mm -hmm. But, but if things are continuing the way they are, there are opportunities for me to improve where we're at. It's just, I'm not someone who goes into the new year being, you know, necessarily like this year's going to totally kick ass. I'm going to kick all the ass. That's mm. just not, that's just not my vibe. Uh, about anything, really. So, I mean, you are a caution. You are a cautious optimist about the future. Things, things very much will probably get better. Yes, right. Though it, there's always the potential that they're going to get worse. Um, Liam, I, I should mention since this is the beginning of the show and this is the first episode of 2019, and who knows, we might have some new listeners. I have a big announcement to make on this episode of the oh. podcast, Liam. Well, that's interesting. What's that? What's the announcement? Well, it's it's well. There's a couple of things actually, and I I should uh, now that I think about it, I meant to discuss one of them with you before we started recording. So some of this <laughs> might be might be a surprise to you, Liam. Uh, well, the first thing, the first big surprise is, uh, and it might not be a surprise to listeners at this point, is that we don't have a guest on this episode, Liam. I thought it was time for us to have a heart-to-heart. -heart. We do have a movie that we're going to talk about, and we're going to go through the, the Roberts Report in just a few minutes. But, uh, but yeah, so it's just you and me, Liam, so that's pretty exciting. I mean, anytime I can get alone with my Dougie, you know I like it. 
Yeah, well, that's, I mean, good. I like that. I like your enthusiasm for me. <laughs> I like uh, that you were so thrown off by that. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, Liam, and this is kind of a big deal, so I hope everyone, you know, if you're driving right now, pull over to the side of the road. If you're listening at home, tell your uh, loved one to leave the room. Yeah, loved shoot, ones, shoot I should say. Out, say. You have to say shoo. Shoo them out. Shoo the little ones out of the room because uh, it's time for uh, <laughs> Daddy Doug. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> Oh, big daddy. Daddy's got to get serious for a moment. Uh, Liam, longtime listeners of the show know that we made a blood oath to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. You might recall this. I still have the scars. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there was a point in uh, the year 2017 where you and I were on stage with the actor Eric Roberts, and we asked him questions directly to his face. It was an embarrassing display all around. Yeah, I mean, I I literally gave him money. In his hand to let us out of the blood oath, and he yes. declined. He declined. He said, fuck no. He said, that's not going to happen. Liam, I have to say, I've been thinking about this blood oath. And I've decided that I found, in fact, it's not a decision. It's something I've, I've been researching. I've been hitting the books, as they say. And I think I have found a loophole, Liam. Okay. Okay. So here's a loophole. Because we made a blood oath to watch the, to the entirety of the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. And we've been doing this on 90 episodes of the Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man podcast at this point. Here's the thing. This, this blood oath that we made, it doesn't mention a, a period of time in it. All it says is that we have to cover the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. It doesn't mean we have to release an episode every two weeks. It doesn't mean we have to you know, make this a, a, a weekly grind for ourselves or to bring on guests and things like that, Liam. We've been, we've been forced into this, this cube, this transparent cube, Liam, and we're, we're surrounded on all sides. But I feel like some of this cube is self-created. And maybe it was created by me, Liam. Maybe it was created by you. It could be all your fault. Um, but what I'm trying to say is... 2019 will be the final year of regular episodes of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And that's kind of the surprise part to you, Liam, because Liam was under the impression that I was going to say that ending uh, that story with episode 100 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. We would be ending this podcast entirely, but I prayed on it. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, you know what, that, we can't. For A, we can't because of the blood oath. But B, that's a little unfair. What if some amazing huge thing happens in the Eric Roberts verse in 2020 or 2021 and we don't have a podcast to cover it? We are the preeminent Eric Roberts related podcast on the face of the planet Earth. So I am saying that with episode 100, we will be ceasing our regular output of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, but I am leaving it open. In fact, I am saying we will have to, over the entirety of the rest of our lives, Liam, return every once in a while, occasionally, perhaps without warning, to the Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast. Now, you actually have not agreed to this in any way. I just want to point out that Eric Roberts is not, in fact, in without warning, but that's fine. Well, look, I didn't have to, I don't have to. Look, not everything has to go across <laughs> Eric Roberts' desk before <laughs> before all of this. I'm just saying, and this is the big thing that you should take away, listeners. With episode 100 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. That's 10 episodes away from this one. Or actually, I should say 9 episodes away. No, no, it's 10 episodes away. I don't know how to count. <laughs> 10 episodes away from this one. You will no longer be listening to an Eric Roberts is the fucking man podcast every two weeks, as has been the schedule for the past 90 episodes. Uh, it, it will be infrequent. It, it will be whenever there's news for Liam and I to talk about. That said, Liam and I are not going our separate ways. We can't. We love each other too much, right, Liam? <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. So don't worry. You will still get a fix of Liam and Doug in some capacity, we've already announced one project on the most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, but there's something else, Liam. It is slightly undecided, but by the yeah. end of 2019, we will have come up with a brilliant idea to maintain our Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man audience, Liam. I mean, look. And grow it, hopefully. <laughs> this is, I just want to be clear with everyone. This is very much Doug's decision, uh, and this is what he's come up with. Mm-hmm. As, as, as everyone knows... I don't care about oaths or promises, and mm-hmm. I will break them for any reason 
under any stimuli of any kind. So I just want to be clear that uh, we're continuing this because of Doug's deep love for me mm. and his desire to uh, keep keep doing Eric Roberts stuff because he loves Eric Roberts. Because you know, for me personally, I'd break the blood oath right now. I could just walk. I could walk away. <laughs> you, from this it's property. a blood oath. I can Unbreakable. Walk away right now. Unbreakable. Liam no O'Donnell. Oath. I I am an oath breaker, much like the band Oathbreaker. That band's sick, by the way. You should check out that band Oathbreaker. Uh, They're sick. I, 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 well, a, I hope I they feel better very soon, oaths. Liam. Fuck all oaths. Oaths are bad. Okay. Okay. Well, this I have to be honest. We're learning a lot on this episode of Eric Roberts. I mean, I only man. show up every week because I love you, Doug. The oath means nothing to me. Well, that love can remain. It just means that we'll be talking about content that is not necessarily Eric Roberts related. But I mean, we might I, still bring him up anyway. <laughs> yeah, we might. I'm not saying that. He, I'm not saying I'll never mention Eric Roberts on a podcast <laughs> again. In fact, that's inevitably going to occur. But I want to make it just extremely crystal clear with episode 100 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. This podcast will be going on hiatus for the foreseeable future. It's been a big part of our lives, Liam. Well, my life. I can't speak for you. <laughs> I mean, it exists in my life, so that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we also, I also wanted to keep the brand alive <laughs> because, uh, you know, I want people to be able to discover the podcast uh, even when we're not necessarily doing it live and going in through the archives. I want that to be a living, breathing thing, Liam. And it can't be if I just close that door and say this is the end of one chapter and the beginning of another. Plus, I have some more T-shirts if people want to buy these fucking things. <laughs> you got to put them on a site. Speaking of that, Liam, I hear that. No, let's get to that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come, yeah, yeah. Comes to that sort of thing. Maybe a little bit later after we discuss the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 90 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter, at Eric Roberts, and I think you should, Liam. He actually has been posting quite a lot. In fact, um, he's been doing a, 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 some reviews, some movie reviews, as we're a big fan of here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. But before we get into that, I want to mention, Liam, that there's a connection between Eric Roberts now and my beloved home province of Newfoundland, Canada. What's that connection? Well, apparently Eric Roberts, uh, and I'm going to guess with Eliza, went to see Come From Away, the smash hit Broadway musical, Liam. I don't know what that is. Have you heard about this? Do you know about this? <laughs> it's Come From Away, the Tony Award winning musical, Liam. I don't know. I don't. What, 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 why are we talking about this? What's going Come on? Come From Away. Okay. Let me break it down for those not in the Broadway know like I am. <laughs> You're such an insider on the musical theater world. Everybody knows about Come From Away. It's the hot ticket on the Broadway scene. Okay, let me stop talking yeah, about it's, it. It's not it's Hamilton, so, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, Come From Away, Liam, is a musical about 9-11, the, uh, the incident that occurred in the United States of America on 9-11, a very sad, tragic day. But you might remember, Liam, that there was a lot of, of calamity around that thing that occurred. Um, and especially when it came to planes that were in the sky during the time. Uh -huh. And so a lot of planes had to be diverted and a, a, a large number had to be diverted to Gander, Newfoundland, which is a northern part of Newfoundland, the province in which I was born and raised. And Gander had to take in all of these planes and they actually more than doubled the population of their entire city with the people that were coming in and every single person got a place to stay and were fed and had to stay there for, I don't know how long, like a week or something like that until everything got sorted out. So basically it was, I think there's a uh, TV movie called like the day the world came to town, that sort of thing. And they made a musical about this uh, incident uh, where all these people came to Gander and they called it come from away and it's a smash hit Broadway sensation. Is this a roundabout way of you getting to your conspiracy theories about nine 11? Oh, look, here's the thing. Liam, I, just, I don't want to hear you say it was an inside job, okay? Just don't. I'm not going to mention about Jeff Yule and Steel Beams. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I'm just going to say two words, Liam. Yeah. Loose change. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of 9-11 conspiracies, Liam. Yeah. Eric Roberts also saw a little movie called Vice, Liam. 
I'm pretty sure that Vice is not a conspiracy movie, but an actual representation of, you know, fictionally, but pretty close to what actually. Yeah, but it's about the people who orchestrated the 9-11 sham. That's fair. (laughs) Particularly the mastermind behind it all, one Mr. Dick Cheney Liam. Yep. Have you seen this movie, Doug? I have not. I have actually heard mixed things, Liam. How about yourself? Uh, I did see it. And... All right, wake up there, Liam. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I did see it. I don't think it is as bad as people are saying. Is that mm. is that a? I don't know if that's a ringing endorsement. It's <clears throat> it's messy. It is tonally doesn't know what it's doing, and it maybe at times doesn't take its audience very seriously. But um, as someone who uh, also has trouble taking Americans very seriously, I don't know. That's fine by me. Eric had some choice words to say about former Vice President Dick Cheney, who is played in that movie by uh, Christian Bale, Liam. Yes. He wrote, uh, just today, in fact, difference between Lon Cheney and Dick Cheney is one vowel and the fact that Lon only played monsters while Dick is one. Hashtag grateful for the fact that Cheney survived his bum heart so that he and his evil wife could live long enough to see how artfully and justifiably despised they are, Liam. Now, as our resident conservative, Liam, that must be a pretty difficult thing for you to read. <laughs> I don't know why you think this bit is going to fly. <laughs> I don't know why. This is the, of your many bits. This is the worst bit. and I, I, I just don't think it has Look, legs. Here's the thing, Liam. Here's what our audience knows about you. You are a punk. <laughs> you are a straight edge. <laughs> and you are a conservative gentleman, which is why you have so many screwdriver albums in your collection. Oh, no. <laughs> I would never, ever, ever. I am, if anything, <laughs> I am too much in the other direction, I think, on that particular issue. Um, let's get back to this thing here. Yeah, I, what do you think? What do you think about this tweet? Honestly, it's. It's, we've talked a little bit about Eric Roberts' politics in the past, and uh, and and I think it's safe to say that he um, is firmly in in the left uh, side of the column. But you know, he has not only done a lot of uh, Christian conservative uh, faith based movies, but also we have talked about that movie that he made with Kevin Sorbo, which is this pro Second Amendment AR fifteen nonsense. So it's kind of you know it's kind of nice to see such a clear statement here on Twitter. I mean, here's the thing, though. It's it seems as if having a negative opinion of the Bush administration, you know, whether that's Cheney or Rumsfeld or whatever, mm-hmm. has become like a marginal leftist idea uh, because so many Democrats now that we have Trump are like kind of fondly and doe eyed looking absolutely at that time absolutely. And so you read this from Eric Roberts, like man, it's so extreme. But actually, there was a, definitely a time. Let's say during the second term of the Bush administration where Mm. tweeting something like this, I mean, I don't know that there was Twitter at the time or not, but uh, (laughs) having an opinion like this would be considered a pretty moderate Democrat. Absolutely. That's true. That even the people who voted for the Iraq war within, you know, less than four years were kind of like, Oh no, this guy's the worst. Uh, And then a bunch of them now have changed back to like, Oh, he wasn't that bad. I it's, it's, it's nice to see that our man here. Is sticking it out like there's a it, lot of short memories when it comes to well I mean, all politics I mean, right don't, I think, don't get me wrong like I, I I think the problem we have is that um, whatever's going on right now is the focus so like yeah. for Democrats it's like you know I mean I I will freely admit that if we're just talking about who I want to come in and order a cup of coffee at my coffee shop W seems like he less likely to do something that might. You know, he, he's not going to assault a barista. You know what right, I mean? Like right, Trump right. is like, even without being the president, he's a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like just as a guy who would live in your hallway in your apartment building, you're like, this guy's got to go. You know, like this is not mm. OK. So I get why we all are so focused on him in that way. But uh, fact still remains not quite yet a war criminal. Uh, so there you go. That already puts yeah. him a little bit ahead of uh, that whole administration. Now, do I think he could get there? Yeah, he might get there before the end of this podcast. I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> like dude has it in him. That's I, I'm not here to defend him. I just think that because we are so unhappy with him, we have sort of put 
rose-colored glasses on when it comes to this time. But this was a bad, 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 bad time. It's just a bad time that was done with slightly more decorum. Like, that's all it is. It's yeah. slightly more decorum mm-hmm. than what we have now. Yeah, it's a it's a strange thing that there's so many people who just think of George W. Bush as the guy who makes the funky paintings and hangs out with Michelle Obama. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I do think the softening of that image is kind of unbelievable when I think about that time period. But I mean, I don't want to – this again, this isn't a political podcast, Liam, no matter how much you'd like it to be. So yeah. you can espound your – alt-right views <laughs> i would but, i would if a band had a not my president shirt with bush's face on it still in 2018 i might still buy it <laughs> liam just r- rifling through his rock against bush compilation. <laughs> <There's laughs> um sick tracks on there man i know it hey this is actually part of a series of tweets that Eric Roberts tweeted today about Vice Movie, at Vice Movie, uh, the Twitter account for the movie Vice, uh, which he apparently uh, enjoyed very much. He says, Cheney represented nothing great about America, but Vice Movie represents exactly what's great about America. As movies about monsters go, it's the best ever made. As movies go, it's among the best ever made. At Ghost Panther, which of course is the Twitter account of Adam McKay, the director of uh, Vice, Leo. I mean, I don't agree with his hyperbole, but I don't think it's that bad. Liam, what's your favorite Adam McKay movie? Adam McKay, former head writer of Saturday Night Live, Liam. I guess Anchorman? I don't even know. I haven't, like, tried to go back and figure that out. It's, you should. <laughs> it didn't feel like it was something I had to care about till he made the big short. And I didn't love the big short, so I don't know. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Liam, what do you think about our good friend David Dakota? I would like to not watch any more of his movies. <laughs> well, I have uh, bad news for you, Liam. Uh, <laughs> because not only uh, is there going to be a lot more David Dakota movies to come, uh, a shockingly large number, uh, in the t- time between our last episode and this one, another one has entered the world. It's called The Wrong Teacher, Liam, part of the uh, series of the wrong movies directed by David Dakota that have been featured on Lifetime uh, Network. This one featuring Jessica Morris, Vivica A. Fox once again, Dominique Swain once again, D. Wallace, uh, and uh, and Eric Roberts. And it premiered, Liam, on December 28th at 8 p.m. So uh, I, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners checked out The Wrong Teacher. And if you uh, if you have any thoughts about that, why don't you tweet us over at ERITFM, our Twitter account, and we'll, uh, we'll, of course, watch that ourselves. Liam, and why is that? Um, well, apparently we made a Blood Earth, but, but apparently that Blood Earth isn't worth anything, so. No, it is. It lasts till the end of our lives, Liam. All right. That's what I was trying to reinforce, which obviously you didn't understand, which is that the Blood Oath still stands. It's just that I found a loophole that allows us to stretch it amongst the remainder of our lives. Okay. Liam, would you like to be a background actor for a star-filled Christmas movie that will film on Monday, January 7th? So that's next Monday. Yeah, as long as you're in Hawthorne, New Jersey, Liam, you can be a part of a movie called A Karate Christmas Miracle. <laughs> Hawthorne is pretty far, though. Well, it'd be worth it, Liam, if you got to be in a movie with Martin Coe from The Karate Kid and Rambo uh, and Julie McCullough from Growing Pains and Sharknado. And let's not forget Academy Award nominee, a nominee Eric Roberts, the actor, is going to be in a movie called A Karate Christmas Miracle, Liam. Is this a is this a paid extra or a uh, no? But every background actor will receive two complimentary all access passes to the 2019 Hoboken International Film Festival, including two comp tickets to opening night. Uh, okay, I, I'm a maybe. It's, you only got to be on set for six to seven hours. If you do want to be part of that, you can email Karate Miracle Pictures at gmail.com. <laughs> this is a real thing, by the way. A Karate Christmas Miracle. Liam, you know, in uh, in uh, because of the the political politically correct police out there, you can't say Merry Christmas anymore. Uh, is that... you gotta say Happy Holidays. Yeah, I don't, I haven't really noticed that, but okay. Liam, I looked up the word Christmas on the Internet Movie Database, mm-hmm. and do you know how many Christmas movies were made in 2018? Literally hundreds. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but I've noticed that. What's well, up with all the Christmas movies, Liam? Well, I think part of it is the Hallmark Channel is just trying to fill its time, you know? Yeah. Um, they released 37 Christmas movies this year. Right? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's more than most 
directors making their entire careers. Well, I'm sure they had different directors, Doug. No, I know. I just mean Jesus Christ, Liam. <laughs> um, like it actually kind of bugs me a little bit, simply because a lot of our classic uh, uh, exploitation directors, like Jim Wynorski and Fred Olin Ray, they've all switched to making these fucking Christmas movies. Is that true? I didn't know that. Yeah, Fred Olin Ray has like four Christmas movies, like just this year. I mean, well, last year. I, I mean, I have an idea, and I probably shouldn't say it on a podcast as popular as this one, uh, for fear of someone stealing it. But my thought is that you know the whole thing with these, especially the Hallmark Christmas movies, that they they follow a formula. You know, nothing changes. Right. It's the same mm-hmm. thing over and over again. So my idea was to set one of those here in Easton, PA. And have the formula, you know, someone comes back from New York and there's some like career oriented woman who's sure. forgotten mm-hmm. the meaning of Christmas and they come back here and they're reintroduced to the hot guy who they used to know because it's an East End. He's not a farmer or a carpenter or any of those charming things. He works in a pawn shop because I got to be real to East End. Sure. But, of course. But she's in, you know, her hometown and she meets the pawn shop guy and he's very attractive and charming and she starts oh. to fall for him and maybe she was wrong about small town life life and she should give up on her career or whatever but then of course it turns out that all these christmas loving townspeople are part of a, a scary yuletide murder cult oh. and, and she has to escape the murder cult and the whole thing becomes like a like a, a one shot real time utterly creepy horrifying uh murder cult escape for the last like uh oh. 40 minutes I mean, I worry – I'm very worried, Liam, about what happens when the Christmas movie bubble bursts. But it seems like you're already thinking – you're playing three-dimensional chess. You're thinking several steps ahead. Well, I just think that um, it, it would be fun to do something where uh, people really think they know what's going to happen because these movies are so static. And sure. they completely shift it. And especially since the assumptions <sighs> underneath these movies are so freaking offensive, you know, that – all cities are bad and, and that you – when you go to them, you are killing your soul and all small towns are good. And when you go there, you discover the meaning of life or Christmas or both. Liam, do you remember the movie The Dark Knight? Uh, no, actually. What, well, who directed that? Yeah, you might remember it as being the one movie 75% of our guests can mention <laughs> when, when we ask them what their favorite Eric Roberts oh, movie is. Oh, it's an is. Eric Roberts movie. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes, he plays a – He stars in it and then there's some other appearances as well. He says, what evil lurks in the hearts of men? He says, the Dark Knight knows. And then some guy dressed as a clown tries to attack him. Yeah, that makes sense. We're just kidding around, Liam. The Dark Knight is about Batman, the character of Batman. And you might re- remember, listeners, that there's a part in that movie where the Joker, the jo- the the uh, the we're we're watching the movie through the twisted prism of the Joker's mind, and he has a pencil, Liam, and he slams a, a guy's head on the pencil, and it, they call it the pencil trick. Yep, he makes the pencil disappear. Well, there was an oral history of that pencil trick recently posted on the internet, Liam, and there's a quote from Eric Roberts. In it, Liam. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Liam, since you don't seem that engaged right now, why don't you pretend to be Eric Roberts and read his little quote here? I can't do a good Eric Roberts, so we're going to do it anyway. I had a physical reaction. I went, Ooh. oh, wow. Oh, oh, okay, great. We got to do that. I thought it was real at first. Like, Wow, 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 wow. Something went wrong. It was that kind of reaction because it looked really good and really fast and it looked a little bit clumsy. So it's like, wait a minute. Did it go right? And that's how I felt watching it. But it was so cool to see it work because it did work. And it was nasty. It was freaking nasty. It was nasty, Liam. And it is a pretty nasty moment in that Dark Knight movie, Liam. It's, it's, it happens so quickly yeah. That I actually, the first time I watched it, didn't quite absorb what had happened. Like, I knew something had happened that was bad. But to really figure out, like, wow, it really looks like it went into his eye. Like, that didn't really get to me till the second time I watched the movie. And it, all of a sudden, that particular effect made made me feel uncomfortable. Like, how did they do that? That's actually pretty good. Because, you know, it's you don't see it coming, and it's kind of intense. Yeah. It is a little hard to believe that Eric Roberts didn't know what was going to happen in that scene. Well, I don't know that he didn't know what was going to happen. I just thought – I think he thought that um, that it wasn't going to look as real as it did. Right. 
But he did say, I thought it was real at first. Yeah, and, it's, and I think he thought that they had screwed it. It's like when someone gets shot. Uh, let's say you're making a movie, and uh, there's supposed to be blanks, and then someone gets shot, and uh, and their name is Brandon Lee. Rest in peace, Brandon Lee, the son of the legendary Bruce Lee. Yeah, it's sad. Leah, what's your favorite Brandon Lee performance? I, I only know The Crow. What other movies has he been in? Rapid Fire, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Never seen him. I would like to see those. Laser movies. Mission, I think, is one. Uh, don't want to see that one, though. That doesn't sound good. No, that, it's not, that one's not good. Those other two, I think, are both worth watching. I think I'll Rapid check them Fire. Out. I saw the check Crow, out Rapid Fire. I saw The Crow in the theater six or seven times, something like that. Liam, recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is Amazon Lost from director Hugo Palette. Palette? Do you think it's Palette? I don't know. The plot is a 13-year-old Asian-American computer nerd embarks on a whirlwind adventure through the Amazon in search for his long-lost father who went missing during a scientific expedition in Peru, Liam, and features Eric Roberts as a character named Blake Winston, as well as the uh, actor Will Yun Lee as Jim Chow, and Austin Chow, his son, probably the uh, the young Asian-American uh, person in the plot description, is played by Albert Tsai. Eric Roberts is Blake Winston in... Amazon lost, Liam. What do you think? I mean, I guess we got to watch it. We have to watch it, Liam. We have a blood oath forcing us to do it. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, honestly, this one sounds a little more interesting than some of the uh, other recent Eric Roberts projects we've mentioned on the recently added to the IMDb page section of the Roberts Report. This does bring us, Liam, to our first break. We're going to talk about a movie, Liam, chosen by you today. You chose the movie, Liam. Yeah. I yeah? Did. You did. What's it called, Liam? It's called Two Shades of Blue. Two Shades of Blue. And this is a uh, starring vehicle for Rachel Hunter, Liam. You must love Rachel Hunter since you picked Two Shades of Blue from the year 1999 for us to watch. Mm, Rachel Hunter, fan. who I believe was also in Trip Fall, the movie with where Eric Roberts has cornrows in it. Yeah. But this is different, Liam. Two Shades of Blue is a thriller, uh, a chiller, a spooktacular. Uh, a, spook, a spooktacular. I, I I will say I do kind of like Marley Matlin, so I guess that's a that's a selling point. If you are a lover of Marley Madeline, uh, I, wouldn't, you, I wouldn't say lover. She's if you cool. love Marley Madeline like Liam, then you can join the few IMDb reviews of this movie, which always seem to feature her almost <laughs> entirely. A lot of Marley Madeline fans out there. Uh, This is a movie with some interesting twists and turns, and we're going to talk about them all right after this. Early one morning the sun was shining, I was laying in bed, wondering if she'd changed it all, if her hair was still red. Her folks, they said our lives together sure was going to be rough. They never did like mama's homemade dress Papa's bank book wasn't big enough And I was standing on the side of the road Rain falling on my shoes Heading out for the east coast Lord knows I paid some dues Getting through Tangled up in blue When famed author Susan Price is framed for the murder of her fiancé, billionaire publisher Jack Reynolds, she changes her identity and goes undercover working as a relay operator for the hearing impaired to contact the deaf district attorney in order to clear her name. It's 1999's Two Shades of Blue, directed by James D. Deck. Uh, he's known as, uh, actually, he's best known as a um, assistant director and second unit director on some well-known movies, including, including The Usual Suspects, and as well as a director of 2001's Pendulum and 2005's Silent Partner, neither of which I've actually ever seen. Uh, the writer is Ted Williams, uh, not the famous baseball player uh, who batted 400 and also was a, apparently a real piece of garbage in real life. He was a writer on reality shows like Cupcake Wars, Liam. And one called Hook, Line, and Sisters. This is a reality show. Described as two sisters must prove to their estranged father that they can meet the difficult challenges of commercial fishing during Alaska's brutal salmon season. Liam, have you heard of Hook, Line, and Sister? I have not. Well, this is from the writer of, of a reality show. A writer of a reality show called Hook, Line, and Sisters. And this movie is star-studded, Liam. Not only does it uh, star Rachel Hunter... 
but also Marley Madeline, the uh, the the uh, well-known uh, deaf actress. Gary Busey is in this, Liam. And, of course, Eric Roberts is Calvin Stasi. Um, and I have I have mixed feelings about this movie that you chose for us to watch Two Shades of Blue, Liam. It is, as I mentioned before, sort of a, a vehicle for Rachel Hunter to kind of show her chops as an actress. She had not done a lot of acting before this movie. Um, and it's, it is sort of a death themed because, uh, this, this, uh, call center that she's a part of is kind of at the center of it. We have Marley Madeline and her, um, and Rachel Hunter's, um, love interest in the movie is also deaf. It's kind of a death themed spin on the fugitive, except it goes into really different directions. So I want to start Liam getting your thoughts. What were your, what is your review, Liam, of Two Shades of Blue? It's bad. It's pretty bad, Liam. This movie's kind of bad, I have to say. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Um, okay, so um, I think that it's hard to put your my finger on exactly why it's so bad. Um I have a few ideas about it. One is that um, the hanging the entire plot on these relay uh, systems is not a good idea. I don't think. So, okay, let's explain this to people who might not know what you're referring to. Oh my god! Even doing a have we doing a plot synopsis of this movie? It's crazy. There's there's too many. Okay, so the the point is is that. uh, what's his name? Um, Gary Busey. Gary Busey. He's a criminal, and he thinks he can get away with what he's doing uh, by using these relay systems that exist for folks who are deaf. Yes. So the idea is, you if you're say, deaf, we should say Liam hearing impaired because maybe not. Oh, you're entirely. right. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. If you're hearing impaired in some way, then you can either type to someone else who's hearing impaired and it just transfers or uh, you can um, call an operator and uh, and um, if you are trying to talk to someone who's hearing impaired and they will just transcribe whatever you are saying to exactly. them and, and then they'll read back to you what is being said. So which is, you know, that's all a thing, I guess. It's whatever. a real thing. I actually, I've worked at a call center and had to deal with that myself. My wife worked in a call center, and apparently it's still being used. A variation on that is still being used. But using it as the entire sort of weird basis for your movie is difficult. It's difficult it, because of some of the coincidences that occur in this particular movie. I actually think it's a pretty clever idea, like, like what you just mentioned, just the idea of Gary Busey using it because the people who are communicating back and forth the the people who work in these call centers they're sworn to secrecy they're not allowed to tell anybody even if like criminal th- things are being told so it's you know like like a lawyer or whatever a priest um and so in the case of this he someone tries to blackmail him the person that's actually doing the relay and that's how the movie sort of starts but liam i didn't mean to interrupt what did you think of this movie so i think using i don't agree i think using this thing is stupid especially <laughs> since we open we open up with with the lawyer, with the is it is Marley Matlin's a DA, right? She's like, yeah, she's like a district attorney. Yeah, right. yeah. So she can immediately just take the record. Like the whole thing is like, well, they, they they're sworn to secrecy, but they save all the yeah freaking conversations. So she yeah. just has to subpoena the conversation, and then she's got it. That's not cool. That's not smart. There's nothing about that that works. I, okay, I guess I should say there's something interesting there, but it is stupid to be used in this way. <laughs> right, and um, and things are very convoluted because. He might be trying to kill, or he tried to kill someone else. I, it's there's a lot going on here. Yes, he's getting blackmailed. Someone's trying to kill him, or maybe they're not. Or, um, uh, he's trying to kill the DA, and there's just there's so many weird layers, and it doesn't make sense. And let's not forget, by the way, Liam, that we're supposed to believe that Rachel Hunter, this beautiful woman, right. is in love with Gary Busey, who not only looks like a monster, but also is like complete. He has no charm to him at all. Like there's nothing. I mean, I love him as an actor, but he's like kind of a jerk to her too. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he kind of needs her to live. Yes. She's not even 
benefit. There's no way she's also this whole idea that she's this author, right? <laughs> and she writes. I mean, I get it that she writes romantic novels and maybe those are supposed to be less intellectual or some crap like that, which I just don't believe. But that's sure. what the movie kind of suggests. Mm-hmm. She comes across like a dingbat. Like she her character is written in such a way that she couldn't think her way out of a paper bag. But she's a famous author and she just keeps I mean, eventually she gets over, but only through mostly luck. She she just keeps making the dumbest mistakes the whole movie. And I'm just like, why? What the plot doesn't work if at any point she figures out anything that a person with common sense could figure out. Absolutely. A lot of it relies on her character being written in a bad way. Um also a lot of it relies on her wearing wigs. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't work well either. Um and We've got this, um, and we'll get into the performance itself, but this Eric Roberts character who he's a bad guy, so I guess that's why it's believable. He's immediately sort of flirting with her and whatever, but it's – the movie doesn't seem to be the sort of world where the caricature that Eric Roberts is portraying makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Like he's so over the top immediately – and no one else's performances are that way. So I, it just seemed weird. It seemed out of place. And I don't mean that like, and because I felt like he was doing something wrong. I just think it's a weirdly written character in, in this movie that is, I don't know. I, plus, I don't love voiceover in general. And that's a aspect of the film that I don't love, like so, this whole thing. So Gary Busey, her, his character is murdered. By somebody. I and, guess. And this occurs after Rachel Hunter's character, Susan Price, and him get in a fight at the at a party. And she makes a really bizarre statement, which is like, if you ever do that again, I'll kill you. So, you know, very much incriminating herself, which is absolutely somehow becomes important in regards to this. He goes home. She comes home a little bit later. He's dead. The police think that she did it. So she runs off, changes her hairstyle. And Liam, she then gets a job at this relay service. For the hearing impaired, where she – now, l- let me make this very clear. If you are in one of these call centers, you're probably covering like most of the United States, right? Or or whole states, like big states. The, the, the possibility of her relaying for someone directly involved with the crime she's been accused of is like astronomical. And mm-hmm. yet, not only is she part of that, she also – is in the same call center as the person who was trying to blackmail Carrie Busey's character. <laughs> so it's like there's there's all this series of coincidences. And she's like regularly contacted by Marley Matlin to communicate with Eric Roberts' character who was also uh, trying to seduce Marley Matlin's character. We know for, for uh, devious purposes. But at first we're not entirely sure about that because we don't know Eric Roberts is a bad guy until a little bit later in the movie. But all that aside, so that all sounds like nonsense. I'm sure our listeners are like, what the fuck is he even talking about? The important thing for us to talk about, Liam, is that there is a sex scene, a phone sex scene in this movie, (laughs) Liam, where Marley Matlin, the hearing impaired actress, and Eric Roberts, they have phone sex as communicated by Rachel Hunter as an intermediary. Yeah. It is one of the most amazing pieces of cinema I encountered in the year 2018 it's very strange and it's not only is she, she is she relating it right uh her supervisor is there like evaluating her while yes, she's doing it exactly so her supervisor and her boss by the way her boss hired her specifically because he was attracted to her i mean th- there's no bones about that uh which is a completely inappropriate and then he starts dating her so that's really inappropriate too but you know whatever so because she, i uh, there's there are people suspecting that maybe she's uh, getting too deep in with the, I don't know, th- for whatever reason, one of the people that she works with, her supervisor, doesn't like her very much. So she hooks into the call and her boss is there and they all listen to her do phone sex for these two people. It's really weird. Her supervisor fucking orgasms from listening to it. Her body shakes with pleasure from these words that she's hearing. It's what happens in the fucking scene. It's very weird. It's one of the craziest things, Liam. <laughs> there's there's a lot look a i'm pretty sure there's a rule that i don't know this for sure but i'm pretty sure that there's a rule where you can't like use one of these services for sexual gratification 
I mean, I, I know from anyone, well, actually, anyone who's ever worked in a call center know that you, every once in a while, you'll get some fucking weirdo calling in, basically trying to get off listening to your voice. And and I imagine these services get that all the time. And there's no way that this would be appropriate. And B, it certainly wouldn't be appropriate, even if you're a supervisor, you'd be like, well, I shouldn't listen to this call because, you know, she could have just unplugged the fucking thing. It's There's a lot of it that doesn't make any sense. But if you ever wanted to see... <laughs> Marley Madeline feign masturbation while Rachel Hunter speaks sexual language to Eric Roberts. Well, this is the movie for you, Liam. There's a there's a aspect of the movie that's trying very hard to be very sexy. It really yes. And mm-hmm. and, and, and I mean, what year did this come out again? 1999. Yeah, it's that kind of 90s sexy thriller that Eric Roberts was doing at the time. Sure. And um. It doesn't work. There's nothing sexy about the movie. I do like the fact that they are trying to, you know, the 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 hearing impaired angle is something that they really embrace in this. So there's something, you know, someone said, hey, this is kind of unexplored territory when it comes to like a, a sexual thriller like this. So let's go like full into it. And, you know, and the fact that they have two. Uh, hearing impaired actors in lead roles in this, I think that's kind of, you know, there's something respectable about that, something to be uh, praised. The fact that they have kind of shoehorned them into this fucking ridiculous plot, which has people fucking listening to sex, phone sex calls, and just, oh my God, oh, this is, this is more than I've ever expected on a call before. This language is more than I've ever heard. I'm just going to fucking shake and, and come all over the place. Listen, anyway, it's just a very strange moment in this very strange movie. Speaking of very strange uh, moments in this movie, Liam, what happens to Marley Matlin's character in this movie? Well, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Roberts, after he has uh, seduced our main character, which why, she she knows he's in a relationship with Marley Matlin, she mm-hmm. still goes over, has sex with him, then suddenly figures out he's not a good dude, ditches out, and then he goes over to Marley Matlin's house, has sex with her on the balcony in an incredibly awkward scene. Yes. And then throws her off the balcony. Basically, she's hanging off the edge of the balcony while he is having sex with her. And now she, explain the mechanics of this, Leah. Uh, I believe he has his hands around her neck. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, and he's kind of pushing with his hips. Yeah. He's She's on the edge of the, the balcony railing. He's banging yes. her and choking her. <laughs> And then he just lets go, and she falls. It is – honestly, in a different movie, that level of combining <laughs> sex and violence in such a basic way might be kind of interesting. Like, ooh, like what are they trying to say with this? Whatever. For this one, it's just such a gimmick, and it's one you already know is happening because yes. this is a big flashback movie. Yeah, Most of the movie is a that. long flashback. Yay! Yeah, you, you even know that Rachel Hunter's character is going to be arrested because it starts with her already having been arrested. And she's telling the cop, I already told you everything. I'll tell you again. And, of course, she can't. It's one of those movies where everything's a flashback of her supposedly telling this police officer. But there are many details she couldn't possibly tell him, but she tells him anyway. It's weird. Of course. Yeah, so this is a movie where Eric Roberts fucks someone off a balcony to their death. <sighs> I mean, it, it, you know, it's just an awkward scene, and I, it's meant to be very sexy, but also thrilling in the fact that you know it's going to go wrong. And uh, I didn't feel that, Doug. Did you feel that? Were you into it? I think Marley Matlin's a very attractive woman. That's fair, but I mean, that doesn't Rachel make Hunter. I'm I'm not as sold on. <laughs> uh, I I think yeah, that's true, and this isn't about Marley Matlin not being attractive. It's that this is a weird scene. I mean, it is very weird. A, everything There's also some it. strange body doubling going on during that sex scene. Right. I mean, clearly she did not want to do a topless scene. So yeah, the, which is fine. Uh, sure, but it's then just don't do it. We don't. <laughs> the, we don't need the booby stand-in. That's not a thing that we need in the world. Uh, but again, it's just part of selling you on this scene is like so hot, and it's just something about the two of them and the way it's filmed and everything about it is not hot. You know doesn't work liam yeah tell me about the ending of two shades of blue well 
I should mention to the audience, by the way, Liam and I watched this movie quite a while ago at this point. So I feel like we're hitting all the main points that we were meaning to hit. But if, if there's any details that are a little bit wrong, they're not so wrong that we're besmirching the movie in any way. Well, so they all end up at a house. Whose house is that that they end up? It's by the by the water. It's the I think it's her deaf boss's friend or something. Yeah. So they end up at a house. Eric Roberts is there. Um, a shootout ensues because the cop, like he's threat, he sort of has them in this like threatening position, you know. Uh, yes. This is Marley Matlin and um, not Marley Matlin. <laughs> oh right, she's, Marley Matlin. she's dead at this. I'm point. I'm sorry. This is Rachel and uh, and her- the cop is really pissed because he was friends with Marley Matlin. So after she gets killed and he thinks that Rachel Hunter also killed her, right. he's particularly on her case. But, so this is Rachel Hunter and her deaf boss. But then mm-hmm. the police come and it turns into a shootout and it goes slow motion John Woo style, but it's the most, you have to understand, listener, the shootout is in a very small, you know. It reminds me a lot of that big shootout at the end of True Romance with all the feathers flying around and shit. Sure, yeah, very much so, but Except bad. Nothing is exciting or interesting about it. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Um, And then, uh, and then finally, uh, Eric Roberts tries to get the jump on them after shooting the cops and he drops his gun and then he ends up getting shot by Rachel Hunter and then Gary Busey and his who is that woman at the end it's his sister it's Gary Busey's character's sister was part of this whole scheme now let me make something very clear beloved listeners when Gary Busey dies in this movie you know he is not dead. There's no they, way. Yeah, there, no nobody in the yet. world thinks that he's not coming back at the end. Because for one thing, he's one of the only name actors in the movie, and he doesn't have anything really interesting to do up to that point. So of course he's coming back at the end. I do have to say, involving his sister in it makes it make yeah you know, makes it a little bit different than I was expecting. But she immediately kills him. I don't know what her end game is in terms of the money. I have to be honest. Like, how is she benefiting from this? I guess he he all the money goes to her for some reason, right? Okay, yeah. Well, I guess I guess that sort of makes sense. But then what happens to her, Liam? Um. Well, it turns out that one of the dead cops is also not dead, <laughs> and in his dying act, he shoots her in the back. And and the the deaf boss who was also shot he he is not dead. So it ends with him and is he? No, he's not dead. So him and Rachel Hunter, they walk off together. But like, how has she proved her innocence? I don't know. I mean, it she... doesn't really matter, Liam, because I think there's a strong impl- implication with the voiceover at the end of the movie that this is like just something that she wrote in a book and didn't actually happen at all. And I do have to say, if I read this in a book, I'd be like, this is the stupidest fucking book I've ever read. <laughs> I was so that's where I was going to ask you is that the the voiceover suggests either to me either that she then wrote a book about all this or this whole thing is her describing a book she wrote in which case this movie is the worst thing that's ever happened to me if the other so it's either that worst thing that you just mentioned Liam or the other thing is that she she writes her books from events that actually occurred to her and the, there's no way that anything equally as exciting could ever happen to a person in their lifetime. No. So what's her follow-up book going to be? <laughs> I don't. Me, me and my life with my deaf boss. I don't understand, Doug. Liam, let's talk about Eric Roberts, the actor. Okay. He plays a, uh, I guess, a hired killer in this movie. Yeah. And he's sort of psychotic, but he's also, you know, he's suave and he's charming. So he's able to seduce... Not only Marley Matlin's character, but somehow even our lead character, <laughs> he basically seduces everybody quite easily and just about gets away with everything. I mean, he is um, he is supposedly charming and yes. he's very good at killing people, apparently. While he's on these calls with Marley Matlin using this relay service, he keeps hitting on Rachel Hunter's character at the same time, which is A, very inappropriate, but also... Doesn't this like shouldn't that be a red flag to her that he might be a bit of a creepoid? Yeah, I don't understand. It almost the movie almost seems to suggest that 
because she writes these trashy novels that therefore right. she like wants something like this. Like this is like mm-hmm. fulfilling something she was hoping for. But why? I, I It's just not clear to me that that's enough of a motivation for any of the events in the film. Yeah, it, it's really strange. But Liam, that aside, aside from the very strange plot on display here, what did you think of Eric Roberts performance? As I said, he's a lot in this role. Yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's true. I don't know that that makes it a a bad uh, performance, but man, it's just a lot. It's just a lot, a lot. Um, I, one thing I noticed in this film is that um, he's he's a little more. He he does the thing with his fingers a lot more in this movie. You know where he holds them at a certain angle. Uh, and he does a lot. There's a lot of talking with his hands in this movie. Um, and I don't know if that was a character choice or what, but it, I just wasn't expecting it. It was a little strange. Um, but it kind of added something to the character a little bit where the character is both. Um, he's 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 kind of got like a sneering predatory aspect to him but it's also in that kind of lilting eric roberts way that i kind of think works really well uh and there's an impressive scene that i think he did the stunt for when he jumps down the hill that didn't look like a stuntman that looked like him and it's a pretty solid jump that he handles pretty well so i I like that much of it but um but i just feel like other than hitting on her on the phone and then later uh, two awkward sex scenes <laughs> and sh- that slow motion shootout. There's just not a lot he's given to do. He's not the star of the movie or anything like that. No, no. Um, so it's not a it's it's a fine performance for what it is. But I wish he, there was something more there. He he is the most alive character in the movie, right? He's the sure. only one bringing any sort of energy to things. Well, the thing I both like and dislike about the character is that he's never stressed out by anything. Right, even even at the point where he's discovered, even at the point where they're shooting at him at the end, he's just laid back about the whole thing. And I know that that kind of fits into the the Eric Roberts characterization we see in this movie, and it is appropriate to this how they have this character displayed. It just means that it's hard to take it's hard to take any of it very seriously. And there's a part of me at the end that was like, well, maybe I want him to get away, not just because he's Eric Roberts, but also because at least he's bringing something to this movie where everyone else is just sort of this blank slate. I just can't even imagine. Caring so much about Rachel Hunter's character, who who you know has made a series of terrible decisions since the beginning of the movie, that that the to, to, to feel like she's got to succeed here. She needs to get away and prove her innocence and all that. And then at at the end, she doesn't really do any of that anyway. She just happens to be like the last survivor of all these people's terrible plan so it's it's kind of a, a, a strange way for it to, to happen i do think it's a pretty good performance but it's it it only distinguishes itself because it's the rest of the movie is so bad yeah if i there's just that's what i said when it felt like he was doing that he was a lot for the movie because he's so intense in the role and there's so much he's trying to bring to it when everyone else is just not really doing much, you know what I mean? Like I, I, it just feels like everyone else is kind of treading water a little bit, especially our lead who just, I don't know. She's kind of, she's, she's kind of uh, easily upset, I guess. She's not very charming. She's a little off put at first by her boss being nice to her. I mean, he is kind of hitting on her, but that's not why she's off put by it. She just, I don't know. There's just it doesn't feel like she's she uh, there's a lot to endear us to her as a person. I will say that only a man could write that scene where she's in the job interview and she's being interviewed by that person who will be her supervisor and will later orgasm while listening to that call. Like she's doing it and her, her supervisor doesn't seem that, you know, into her. But then the boss comes in and looks her up and down and they talk for a second and he's like, hire her. And it's just like. And she's like, oh, yes, this is such a cool, you know, this is a good moment for me. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You should be offended by that for one thing. You should be like, what the fuck, dude? I have qualifications, though she doesn't appear to have any qualifications to work at that job at all. Maybe she can type quickly. I think that's I think that's what that scene is supposed to 
suggests is that she's just happy that she was able to get the job when she's not qualified to do anything. But it's also weird to me that she's not qualified to do anything. <laughs> like it's a call center, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't get it. Look, I, by the way, I, I'm not knocking people who work at call centers. As I said, I've done it myself. It's actually really hard, yeah. stressful work, and the turnover at those places is ridiculous because it's hard, stressful work. Yeah, and you don't get paid very well for it. Yeah, and I, I mean, she immediately breaks the one thing. You know, she, you're not supposed to have personal relationships with the people calling in. Of course, and that's the first thing she does. It's like immediate yeah. before you know what I mean. Like she's just immediately like, oh hey, what's going on? Sitting around an after call, just talking to Marley Matlin, just shooting the shit with her. Like, like there isn't 12 calls already waiting for her to pick up immediately afterwards. It's a movie, Liam. It's not a very good one. But it does beg the question, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in Two Shades of Blue from the year 1999? I, like I said, I didn't love the movie, and that makes me not a big fan of his being in it and his performance but honestly yeah he's the only one really putting in the work i feel like even if i didn't love you know what he was doing in it he is there and he is bringing some life to a movie that doesn't seem to have a lot going on i think he's the best part of the movie Mm -hmm. which which isn't as much of a uh, uh isn't as much praise as i as i probably mean it to be i wonder in my mind if they reversed Gary Busey and Eric Roberts' roles in this, this movie would made a whole lot more fucking sense. Except, I guess, for the fact that it'd be hard for the idea of Gary Busey uh, um, seducing these two women. But at least he could try to do it, like, over the phone. And then, then in person, maybe she'd be like, what's going on here? Well, but I think I mean, that's it, part of the thing, right? Is that, like, uh, Rachel Hunter has no idea that he's hot. Yeah. So why is she so easily seduced by this guy just because he keeps hitting on her? You know, it doesn't make sense. Because he's got that Eric Roberts voice, man. I'm going to say Eric Roberts is the fucking man in Two Shades of Blue. But I this one is squeaking by. This movie's actually – I found it kind of fun to watch simply because it's so bizarre in certain ways. <laughs> but it is a terrible movie in, in most ways, particularly because the lead performance is, is – weak i would say but it probably isn't entirely her fault simply because she's asked to do and accept and make decisions that no human being would ever make uh so it's one of those movies that that are reliant on the audience going why are you doing this but the only reason they're doing it is so a twist can work later on Uh, i do like the hearing impaired aspect of it even though it's not integrated very well and i do think there's some uh, attempts to do interesting things here but for the most part it's just another twisty romantic thriller of which there were hundreds of them in the 90s right i think that's true Liam, we're gonna take our final break since that is all anyone could ever say i, I guarantee that was the longest conversation anyone has ever had about <laughs> two shades of blue we're gonna take our final break we're gonna do a little chatting and we're gonna do a little plugging and we're gonna say good night to see you live for more you said it before you wish I'd seen the saint you were before your skin's a fight that shines for us all you said it before the brown that shines And that was episode number 90 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Uh, rare episode, Liam, featuring just you and me uh, hashing it out. Talking about a great movie that you chose for us to watch called Two Shades of Blue. Uh, Liam, usually at this point in the show, we'd have a guest talk about what they've been up to lately. But because there is no guest, I'm going to ask you, Liam. I, it's the new year. I know Cinepunks is rocking and rolling. We talked about on the last episode, I think, about a new podcast project that you and I are involved in. What's going on? With Liam, what should we expect in the coming year from you? Well, uh, I actually started a uh, T-shirt project with um, 
Justin Miller, who does art uh, under the name Haunt Love, uh, and it's called uh, Rough Cut. Um, you can find us on the intranets uh, on Instagram and, and our Rough Cut uh, Rough Cut T-shirts uh, is the website, and um, it's going to be limited uh, drops probably every three weeks or so, four weeks or so, uh, depending on how quickly we can get new designs up. <laughs> And right now it's all print to order. So we put a design up and y'all order it and we print what you order. No extras. So um, if you're interested, check it out. Uh, we just finished our first run of we did a shirt for uh, Evil Dead and for Equinox. And uh, up next is something else. And you'll find out if you follow us on Instagram when we announce it. Uh, just a correction, Liam, to you, because I think you said that it was at Rough Cut T-Shirts. It's just roughcutshirts.com, and we'll uh, we'll make sure to put that in the uh, in the oh, show notes. Is it Rough Cut Shirts? Out. I always I keep getting it wrong because it's like a few different things in different places. It's not. I know that roughcutshirts.com did not work for me, so I had to look it up on your Facebook. But it, it is roughcutshirts.com definitely will work. Uh, the shirts look great, like really, really good. Uh, and I know people are really stoked about it, but yeah, definitely check that out. Anything else coming up, Liam? Uh, I mean, you know, we'll have a new episode of Cinepunk soon. Um, uh, and a new episode of Hard Business, which we j- I actually just record early- recorded earlier today. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that there's much else to announce for the new year other than you know, just keep an eye on Cinepunks and on Rough Cut, and um, we'll have some new stuff going on very soon uh, that you will be excited to see, including, as we've already talked about, the Flight Stuff podcast. Well, but also I mean, some... maybe let's, just, let's talk about that just briefly, okay. simply because people might not listen to every podcast that we release. Shame on you if you don't. But the Flight Stuff is a podcast that has uh, Adriana Gober, who uh, I uh, sometimes write with over at Cinepunks.com. A friend of yours and uh, and a contributor to that site and editor on that site, yourself and myself, and we're talking about the history of the Canadian superhero team Alpha Flight through Marvel Comics, which started in the early '80s, and we're uh, working our way through that on the Flight stuff. Should be pretty great. I'm pretty excited about it. And what else were you going to mention there, Liam? Uh, that was it. Just uh, and we have we have well, there's some other new podcasts. That will be coming on. Uh, Ooh, that, very exciting. Yeah, we'll be talking about soon. I'm just still in, still in the logistics of figuring out when they'll get started and things like that. Well, there's no lack of things to fill up your ear holes in the year 2019. Uh, you can also find on Cinepunks, uh, I have a new article that should be coming out pretty soon. Uh, part of my series where I'm looking at adaptations from uh, movies into comic book form and uh, featuring the movie Dark Man by Sam Raimi. Check that out at Cinepunks.com and uh, follow Cinepunks on Twitter at Cinepunks and Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z, Liam. That is correct. You can, of course, find me on Twitter as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And you can find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com or on Twitter at NoBudgetPodcast, all one word. If you want to check out more Eric Roberts' content, and in particular, Eric Roberts is the fucking man content. You can go to, over to ericrobertsistheman.com where you can subscribe and you can check out all of our older episodes. You can check us out on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. Or why don't you go follow Eric Roberts himself on Twitter. That's at Eric Roberts, all one word. And do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook if you want to follow us there as well. We love hearing from you. Please message us if you've listened to the latest episode. Tell us what you think. I want to make it very clear before we finish up today. This is not an ending this is not the end of Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man. This is just us putting a capper on the form that it exists in right now at the end of 2019. And we'll be out there for you. We'll be delivering you Eric Roberts' content. Liam and I have made a lifelong commitment. Isn't that right, Liam? Uh, yep. We're there. Liam doesn't take the commitment seriously, but I do, <laughs> folks. I am your surrogate here on Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man. And we will be back... Throughout the year 2019, with more Eric Roberts classics. Good night, everybody. Good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. 